My name is Eddie Brochin. I'm a professional outdoorsman and wildlife manager. I've received a call from Daniel Saba, who has commissioned me to visit his ranch in central Mexico to conduct a wildlife survey. I specialize in wildlife management of white-tailed deer herds on large tracts of land in Indiana, Texas, and Mexico. So I assumed that this was the reason for my visit. They soon headed south for the border in anticipation of a routine land and wildlife evaluation. So he had thought. They made a quick stop at customs to declare their basic essentials. Tequila, whiskey. Sportsman and his crew were finally through the border and headed through the interior of Mexico. As we approached the checkpoint, I didn't want to draw any unnecessary attention, so I ordered the cameras to be put down. Put the cameras down. Put the cameras down. This is good, also. This is good. Yeah. Really good, actually. It makes me. Um, proud to see them uh, working and uh, here with their presence taking care of the area. Mi nombre es Daniel Sada Domínguez, yo soy productor agropecuario, soy el dueño de este rancho, aquí se conoce como Rancho El Cerrito, antiguamente era una tierra destinada a la crianza de reses bravas y ahora pues somos productores agropecuarios eh, 
y estamos produciendo higos para mesa y para envasado. Criamos toros aquí eh, desde mi abuelo. En la época de 1920, él pidió su primera corrida de toros. Y nosotros, ya con el nombre del Cerrito, empezamos a lidiar desde el año de 1968. Afortunadamente, triunfamos en la mayoría de las plazas y hemos estado presentes en todo el territorio nacional. Now, to his surprise, upon arriving at the El Cerrito Ranch, he quickly realized that there would be much more to this visit than he expected. Much more. Todavía me acuerdo cuando yo era niño aquí, hay una leyenda muy bonita. Es la leyenda de El Torón. El Torón era un animal enorme, con unos cuernos gigantescos. He soon found out that the El Cerrito Ranch was originally part of a much larger ranch called the Playa that was acquired through a Spanish land grant in the 1700s and that it eventually became a ganaderia for Spanish fighting bulls. After mining operations had closed, this ranch became a Spanish fighting bull breeding operation that helped satisfy the demand for fighting bulls in all of Mexico, South America, Spain and Portugal. He began to hear stories of a legendary fighting bull that was bred on this very ranch and sold into the Plaza de Toros in Monterrey. Ever since I was a child, I've been listening to, to a story and a legend about a bull called El Toron, but he was like the star of the bullfight. And not even before the picadors came in, the, the bull ring, boom, El Toron just he just gored the, the matador really, really badly. The next matador comes in and challenges him again, tries to uh, kill him. Unfortunately, the story repeated, he got gored again by El Toron. Picadors come in and there they are just waiting for the bull to charge them. But El Toron just came in so fast, he just gored the horse again. I mean, just like the other two matadors, finally, the third matador comes in, the bull ring. He was actually able to spear El Toron with his Spanish sword exactly, just exactly the way they are supposed to be killed. Sí, hay una leyenda aquí que es la leyenda del Toron. Es un toro que batallaban mucho los vaqueros para pescarlo, para verlo. Y fue creciendo y se fue quedando porque no podían con él. De repente lo metían al corral y se les escapaba, ¿verdad? Ese toro batallaron mucho. Un buen día lo metieron a un corral y por fin pudieron dejarlo encerrado toda la noche. Al siguiente día vinieron a llevárselos para que los lidiaran en la ciudad de Monterrey. Cuando se supo aquí que ya había muerto el torón, los vaqueros se pusieron muy tristes. Hicieron una fiesta para despedir al torón, al alma del torón. Y cuando hicieron esa fiesta... Fue cuando descuidaron el resto de los animales que estaban en un corral pegado al cerro. Y de ahí dice la leyenda que es de donde se escaparon sus descendientes que ahora habitan arriba de la montaña. Así que allá arriba está el hijo del torón.
wasn't long, and the sportsman was packed and ready for what would be one of his most exhilarating adventures of his career, a hike to 5,000 feet, where allegedly now lives the magnificent, legendary mountain. Good morning, Danny. Hey, good morning. How are you? How was, how was your sleep? Sleep was good. Sir. Yeah? Really good, yeah. Are you ready? Ah, a couple months worth of cardio there at the gym. I think I'm ready. It's gonna be a rough one, but it's totally worth it. Okay, well, let's hope we can find some bulls, huh? El Cerrito fue muy antiguo. Este terreno fue de el abuelo. Se lo regaló a mi padre y luego mi padre me lo regaló a mí. Entonces ya me quedé yo de dueña. Y aquí formé mi ganadería. Y pues tengo muchos años de tenerlo. Porque me lo regalaron cuando yo tenía 13 años. So here we go, Eddie. This is it. We're finally getting close. I mean, it looks like we've been driving towards this mountain for an hour. And it's still way over there. It's like you never get there, you know. So the sportsman headed up into the mountain in search of the majestic wild Spanish mountain bull, Toro Bravo. Oh, el cazador eh, es un hombre muy valiente. Ese hombre con solamente un arco y una flecha de madera viene para subir esa montaña para ir a cazar ese toro majestuoso, el hijo del torón ahí arriba. Pesa más de 600 kilos ese animal. Nos dimos cuenta de que se nos iban al cerro, entonces porque buscábamos los números y no los encontrábamos muertos en ningún lado, pues donde andan. Luego hubo quien viera que los toros subían al cerro, se quedaban allá pero no podían bajar. Entonces muchos toros se fueron a la meseta del cerro y allá se quedaron y allá están, allá hay, hay muchos. Unos ya se han muerto allá, y hoy, pero como se fueron machos y hembras, hay criadero de toros arriba. Allá nacen y allá se quedan. El Torón had become some sort of like a, a spirit here at the property. So when this bull died, his bloodline basically won their freedom because back at the ranch, the vaqueros at the time basically sat around and told stories about the legend of El Torón and nobody worked. When this bulls ex escaped, they actually returned to their place of origin. These bulls um, originally used to live in the mountains of Europe between Spain, France, and Italy, up high, they were called Euros. It was a tremendous test of their endurance and will to succeed, as the mountain itself posed the greatest challenge. Making it to the top would prove to be a difficult task. Well, Danny, we must be getting close, man. I'm seeing sign all over the place, I'm seeing tracks. And now I'm starting to see 
these rubs up against these trees here. That's right. That's right, Eddie. They would come up and right again like a hog or something, right? Correct. That's right. Danny, what, what is this place right here? This is base camp or what? Yeah, this is actually base camp. Uh, this is one of the mining uh, tunnels that the min miners dug out back when they had their operations running. It's uh, gonna be our best source of water up here in the mountain. Okay. Um, and uh, when the time is right, we can even find some peaches. You can see all these old peach trees and the fig trees. They were all planted here by the miners a hundred years ago. They're still living here from the water. Yeah, Alright, well, let's. Uh, I can take my backpack off and rest for a bit and let's grab some water. Here, the adventurers must get their fill of water and prepare for the final climb to the summit, or bandero as it is called. Coldest reduces water around the place. <laughs> At this point, he needed to make it to the top just to prove that the bulls exist and have found a way to survive in this ecosystem. Are they successfully breeding? What is their main diet? Where do they get water? These were some of the questions that were running through his mind. You can see the tracks. I mean, there are Spanish bulls in these mountains. I mean, there's sign and tracks all over the place. I spend the night in one of these old abandoned houses here that the miners left down. Packages of oysters, one thing of tuna left, two things of tuna left, that's it. Mm -hmm. So, that makes a count. <laughs> we, better, we better kill something more and more. I hope so. <laughs> Here on out, the trail to the top consists of only trails used by the bulls, so the toughest climb was yet to come. Uh, more proof right here that uh, Spanish bull herds are indeed thriving right here and are wild. I actually um, took the skull and horns of this bull last year, and he now decorates our main entrance to our home down at the ranch. Okay. Um, but yeah, he died here. Natural causes just for age. Old age. Uh -huh. he, uh, he came in and tried to look this really nice area. He just laid down. He liked it. Yeah. Put him, himself to rest. Very nice.
The sportsmen had finally reached the summit. This is the place where large mountain bulls are said to roam. They use the plateau in between the peaks to cross from one side of the mountain to the other. After reaching the summit, Daniel had to say goodbye as he was running late for his cousin's wedding. After 20 minutes of looking for the bulls, the sportsman realized he had been passing right over the bulls the entire time. All it took was for one of them to finally move its head, exposing them against the background of the mountainside. At this moment, I realized what I was about to do, and that was to challenge the bulls without getting killed in the process. How and why is between God and I. I didn't come all this way to back down now and I was willing to risk my life just for the experience. The head-on standoff was long and strenuous and proved to be unsuccessful. The bulls are very smart, and after two hours of an intense stare-down, his body had begun to wear down and he knew if he didn't head back soon for the safety of the base camp and water, he might not make it to fight another day. So he accepted defeat and headed back up to the plateau. Once he had arrived at the plateau, he realized that his cameraman and only survival partner was gone. He was nowhere to be found. He looked for him for two hours and eventually decided it was best to try and make it back to base camp before he ran out of water in daylight. We got up close, and they're just these massive bulls. I mean, it's huge. They have giant horns, um, just big black bulls like you see in the uh, the matador fights. I lost track of Eddie at some point, so I don't know, I don't know where what happened to him. And I I just I was wandering around, and we kept bumping into these enormous bulls, and I was trying to, I didn't want to get run over or anything. So I uh, so I ended up leaving, sort of left Eddie there. Uh, I didn't really know what happened to him, and I couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, I didn't have a phone or anything, so uh, I had to pack up my stuff. I, I waited for like two hours, and I packed up my stuff and went back down the mountain. The sportsman needed to hurry and secure a decent shelter for the evening. Not only would nightfall be upon him soon, but a massive cold front from the north was now headed in his direction. the coming cold, so he gathered as much firewood as he could in anticipation of the evening to come. The cold he wasn't afraid of, but he knew that this was wild bear and mountain lion country, so he made several sound traps for any would-be predators that might venture his way during the night. As far as food was concerned, he only had one can of smoked oysters left. He was dying to eat them but was so afraid that the smell of the can lingering in the air might attract bears that he decided to do without.
As much as he tried to sleep, that would not be an option, as he was on the defensive the entire night. Every sound, every bump in the night was amplified, seemed like more than 10 times.